0: Good morning, Victory family and friends. This is the day that the Lord has made. We rejoice and we are glad in it. My name is Paul and I am privileged to serve as pastor of this congregation, Victory Church of Charlottesville. Uh, We exist to see people reconciled to God and each other. We get the privilege as as imperfect people to partner with a perfect God to see his will in heaven done here on earth. Uh, What an opportunity. And so I'm grateful. I'm grateful that you joined uh, with us this morning in worship. Grateful for every volunteer, every Victory Group leader who continues to serve as unto the Lord. Uh, Victory Group leaders learning all kinds of online formats so that we can stay connected and continue sharpening each other and to continue being the church. Uh, And as important as this moment is, and it is important, uh, we are the church seven days a week, 24 hours of every single day. And so I'm grateful uh, even in this pandemic. Uh, that we have been able to bear God's image and that he's given us the strength to do so as well as we possibly can, uh, taking the next step of obedience with each passing day. Uh, I'm grateful and humbled to be a part uh, of this local body called Victory Church. Thank you for joining us again uh, this morning. We've been in a, a sermon series all throughout the month of May entitled Mental Health Matters. It's Mental Health Awareness Month and we believe this conversation, particularly in Church history uh, has incredible relevance and uh, uh, incredible purpose, if you will, for us to be engaging through the lens of Scripture. And no doubt in this time that we find ourselves in, uh, it's particularly of importance for all of us, uh, whether we are clinically diagnosed or not. Uh, God wants us to be healthy mentally. And so today we're going to continue in the series and we're going to look at the book of Psalms and we're going to look at chapter 13, verses one through six, Psalm uh, chapter thirteen, verses one through six. And as you find that in your Bibles, I just want to pray for our time, Lord. Thank you, thank you so much for for uh, already permeating every aspect of this worship experience, from the welcome to the to the worship and song experience to our being able to give back to you, out of which <laughs> you've given to us financially. And now, God, as we go into uh, the Word a bit more to share a particular message. Around this mental health matters theme, I pray that you open our eyes so that we see all that you have for us from the Word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Psalm chapter 13, and uh, we'll be reading verses 1 through 6. It reads How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? And day after day have sorrow in my heart. How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Title of the message this morning is Grief and Hope. Grief and Hope. Uh, I can remember a few years back uh, when I was traveling for work, uh, back when we could travel for work, and I was, uh, I believe, in Denver, Denver, Colorado. I was with some colleagues, and we were exploring the city, And we found ourselves uh, on our way to a particular destination as we were exploring. We found ourselves passing the same landmarks over and over and over again. And and about an hour passed and and the breakfast we thought we were going to get probably wasn't even going to be served anymore by the time we got there. Uh, But we would not admit we were lost because we weren't lost. We were, you know, taking the scenic route. None of us in the car would admit it at all. And I wonder, uh, though that story being somewhat humorous, clearly we were lost, had no idea where we were going and pride and everything else crept up in us such that we didn't roll down the window and ask somebody. As humorous as that story is, how many of us find ourselves in situations, predicaments, mental states, if you will, that we don't want to admit that we are in? How many of us find ourselves uh, maybe having negative thoughts for a prolonged period of time and saying, ah, it was bad pizza? How many of us have even thoughts of suicide at times and saying, ah, it's just a fleeting thought, it'll go away? How many of us have been in a dark place of some kind and have a difficult time saying, here is where I am? So, the question that I want to deal with today is how do we pray? in the midst of dark times. How do we pray? And I want to highlight three points that I believe uh, the text here suggests for us. One is that we admit where we are. Two, that we cry out for enlightenment. And lastly, three, that we keep on praising. I wonder how many of us have dealt with the following symptoms uh, for a prolonged period of time. I wonder how many of us have dealt with Sleep changes, maybe sleeping too much or not being able to sleep enough, loss of interest in activities that we were previously interested in, excessive guilt, a loss of energy or fatigue, uh, the inability to to concentrate or, or focus, appetite changes, psychomotor agitation or increased irritability, or thoughts of suicide. In other words, I wonder how many of us have experienced depression. Some of these symptoms can go relatively unnoticed, maybe even unchecked until we find ourselves in a place of hopelessness and and trying to figure out how did I get here? And David in this text is showing signs of what we today might describe as depression. I don't know if at some point his concentration waned or if his eating habits were were a bit off, or if he couldn't sleep well or not. I don't know any of that, but it's clear that he was at a point of desperation and needed some help. David was in a dark place. Anybody been there? And the psalm written by David, who was a Jewish king, falls in the category that scholars would describe as lament. Lament, which consists of protest, petition, and praise. Last week, we heard from my beautiful bride of 14 years, Taylor Harris, who whose beautiful words are uh, uh, part of a lament. A few weeks ago, one of our victory group leaders, Chris Kidd, gave an amazing devotion on lament, both of which you can find on our social media. Lament is something that conveys honest frustration and a sense of abandonment. And of the 150 Psalms, 42 of them are considered lament. 30 of those 42 are individual laments, like the one we're reading today, the rest of which are considered communal. And so in our, as David does, uh, in our expressing this honest feeling of abandonment, get, get this, uh, as we're expressing this, these feelings of abandonment, and we're expressing these feelings of frustration, we're doing so as believers of God. And so if you're watching this and you're thinking, I don't know Jesus, not sure I want to know Jesus. I have questions about who Jesus is and or I'm just too angry with him or angry with the ills of society. I got baggage too much to come to Jesus now. Welcome to the fold. Christians got a lot of baggage. Christians still have a lot of questions. Christians still have a lot of anger and God is saying, bring to me that lament. And David is showing us here in this text what it's like to commune with God, to talk to God from a place of authenticity and raw emotion and experience. Such that fellowship with him doesn't have to be broken. And God is saying, absolutely. And here's how we can have such communion. David's doing that right here in this text. He loves Jesus and he feels forgotten. I Shared a story once, uh, Victory <clears throat> about a time that I went to my favorite place, Costco. Uh, it wasn't this time to get you know my usual uh, pull-ups for our kids or my big tub of cashew nuts because everybody needs a big tub from Costco of cashews. Uh, but this time I went to get our tires taken care of, which is what I also go to Costco for because they're great and they take care of you and they have good pricing and good explanations and and typically I'm just I just walk in. No appointment and they take care of me in a relatively decent amount of time. Sometimes it can, you know, vary just because I am a walk-in. But this time I had other things to do. So I said, I'm going to make an appointment. And so I did. And I went in with even more of an expectation of of of, of uh, uh, efficient service, if you will. And everything about the service was pleasurable except for the time. I had some work with me, of course, because I always carry a book or something that I can do. But about two hours passed. And so I said, let me go and check in. And I did. And when I got to the counter, they said, Mr. Harris, we are so sorry. We put the walk-in tag on your car, not the appointment one. And so in my best counseling voice, I said, "Uh, so what I hear you saying (laughs) is you forgot about me and that though you had the power and the capacity to ensure that my time was very brief here, It looks like now I'm going to be here at least three hours, which is what it was. Hmm. David knows and knew the power and the capacity of God to change his situation just like that. Those of us who, who know and believe in Jesus Christ know God has all power in his hand and can change any situation just like that. And so in this text, David is in his feelings just like us. How long, Lord? Are you gonna forget me forever? Are you gonna keep the walking tag on my situation forever? How long will you hide your face from me? David was in a bad place. This expression is similar to that which was expressed by the writer of Lamentations, chapter 5, verse 20, where after the the after Jerusalem had been pillaged and the and the destruction of the temple had taken place, a similar sentiment was expressed. God, are you gonna forget us completely? And in our own words, we too say those very things. Lord, how long is this pandemic going to endure? Have you forgotten us? People are losing their lives. You don't need to be clinically depressed to find yourself in this space. Yes, we're contextualizing it mostly in that vein given. The Mental Health matter series, but we don't need to be clinically diagnosed to ever find ourselves in a dark space needing and wanting to lament. I'm reading some books even now from my days at Samuel DeWitt Proctor School of Theology at Virginia Union University, some of the best times in my life. But it was like a fire hose at the time, taking it all in. So I get now to go back through them and just sit with them. And and I've been going back through and sitting with James Cone and, and, and the cross and the lynching tree. And every few pages, I've got to kind of take a breath and say, God, how long? How much longer will these words be relevant to present day? How much longer? We don't need to be clinically diagnosed, if you will, to find ourselves in a space of lament, though. If depressed or if you're experiencing that now, you know that it can have you in a place of feeling forgotten. And the first response of David that I would like to, to suggest that we emulate in present day is that he firstly admitted where he was. In verse two, he said, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart amidst his protest, which is a part of lament. He's saying, God, I just want to be honest about where I am. I'm wrestling with my thoughts. There's sorrow in my heart. Just like my colleagues and I in Denver who wouldn't pull over, who would? we'd rather drive around for over an hour instead of asking somebody who could have got us there in 10 minutes. Just like we were in denial, so too many of us can be in denial of where we are. I pray this nudges us to shift in that regard. God invites our lament. And David shows us how we commune, how we can commune with and talk to our Heavenly Father, and that it begins with just admitting, this is where I am. David finally gets to this place to admit where he is, and then secondly, he goes to crying out for enlightenment. He recognizes, as is seen in verse 3, that without the help and guidance of God, these consequences are going to be even more grave. Verse 3 says, Look on me and answer me, Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. If I can go back to verse two, that references the enemy. Uh, It doesn't say so much who that enemy is, but that it doesn't say that he's calling on God to take out his enemies like he's done in, in Psalm chapter seven, verse nine, or Psalm 10, verse 15, that that's not happening suggests that there's more of an inner turmoil, an inner battle that is being waged that he needs God's help to resolve lest he sleep in death. He's crying out for enlightenment because the truth is when God provides some illumination, some clarity, we can make some sound judgments that align with his purpose and his will for our lives. Decisions that, that in this case would echo uh, David's words in Psalm 118 and, and, and 17 where he says, I will live and not die. But declare the works of the Lord. We can see clearly a bit more of God's path forward for us when he enlightens us. Our challenge, though, is not to ignore that which God illuminates for us. If he says, hey, the enlightenment is that you might need to get counseling. Then it's on us not to ignore the illumination and to get the help we need. If he says, I've got a miracle through the medicinal community with your name on it. It's incumbent upon us to follow the illumination that he gives. It's up to us not to put him in a box saying, God, I know if you're going to come meet me, you're going to meet me in this way. Because for one, this is how it, it always happened in my life. And this is how I want it to be. This is what would be comfortable for me. No, when you cry out for enlightenment like David's doing, we God will come as he comes and We need to say, God, I yield to whatever way that you want to come and give me. Lest we find ourselves like the, like the gentleman who was sailing and, and, and the boat capsized. Unfortunately, he finds himself treading water for a few hours and two boats and a helicopter come his way trying to help him. And he says, no, God is going to save me. I know you got me, God. So y'all keep on going. God's got me. Only to find himself seeing God face to face, having transitioned to heaven and saying to God, God, where were you? And you know the story. God's response was, I sent three people to come and help you. Lest we find ourselves like that, gentlemen, let's see the enlightenment God brings to our eyes and follow suit. And Lord knows only God can bring the kind of light that can dim the grief and pain that you and I can often experience in this journey called life. Admit where you are. Admit where I am. Admit where we are. Cry out for enlightenment. And lastly, let's keep on praising. Keep on praising. I had to take the G off that when I when when I, when I wrote that. I said let's because the G just made it a little too pretty for me. Keep on praising. Because when you've been through some stuff, when you've when you've gone through some things, when you have come perhaps close to taking your last breath. When you've experienced so much loss in a short period of time, like many are during this pandemic, when you had to go through the fire, whatever that looks like for you, when you found yourself in a dark place, maybe depression, I don't know, but praising just seemed a little bit too pretty for me to put on a piece of paper. And after all, we're talking about David, the one who in 2 Samuel 6 danced with all of his might, praised out of his clothes. And I, I imagine he was praising. He was praising. And so that's the concluding point for us today. Keep on praising. When the grief that's related to this pandemic is so unyielding on so many levels, keep on praising. When we find that that, that Jim Crow lives up the street from you, keep on praising. When we find that integrity in this day and time seems like a foreign concept at times. Keep on praising. When you find yourself depressed, I pray that we can keep on praising. And this is the part that is often left out of the lament. Yes, there's protest. Yes, there's petition, but David shows us that there is also praise. And such praise that's rooted in hope, really. It's not because the situation has necessarily changed. There's nothing about in this text that tells us or leads us to believe that anything about the storm in David's life had passed. Nothing says that the brother had come through and now was giving a shout. Everything points to him giving a praise in the midst of it all. There's a reassuring presence in the midst of it. David says this in verse five, but I trust in your un failing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Protest and trust. Pain and joy. This is lament. This is a way we can and should communicate with our Heavenly Father. We absolutely should, uh, if not already, decry the Unjust deaths of Ahmaud Aubrey and Breonna Taylor and that of millions of African Americans in this country over hundreds of years, whether the Middle Passage or, or the Civil Rights era to even the 21st century. Absolutely, we ought to protest and seek justice where justice needs to be dealt with and done. And trust in God's unfailing love for all of us even if we don't experience it from others next to us. Pain and joy. The unimaginable pain and grief and loss brought on by the pandemic. Loss of provision for many. Loss of uh, a sense of uh, connection. We can't embrace like we could. A loss of of life, and added to that only being able to say goodbye through through electronic mediums, through Zoom, for which, yes, I am grateful given the circumstances that we find, find ourselves in, but not the same. The pain of the loss we might experience in this pandemic or in an other, any other scenario we find ourselves in, there can also simultaneously be the joy, the unspeakable joy of the Lord that is our strength protest and trust pain and joy this this is lament we can be depressed and by the power of god keep praising we can have grief and we can have hope what does that look like well looks like our heavenly father on the cross the pain unimaginable pain and grief suffered physically the mental exhaustion and yet the hope found in his death burial and resurrection i want to give a a particular plug or push for our victory groups this week and I know I'm just making explicit more publicly that which I know already happens because I've visited all of your groups at least once but I want to kind of make explicit the the conversations this week what we could have yes around the sermon text and, and and the specific points but even more broadly around what individually you are lamenting now or could or should be lamenting now and what more broadly the church can and should be lamenting now what does that look like we have 10 victory groups all of which have conversations i know they don't even wait for the to ca- they don't wait for the sermon to catch up with what is going on which is the point real life happens monday through saturday as important as this moment is, we are a church, as I mentioned at the outset, to, to be reconciled to God and to see people reconciled to each other. And as important as this moment is, there's no sermon text, there's no sermon preached, there's no workshop, no pep talk that can replace the community and real life happenings throughout the week. And so I'm mentioning it with some emphasis today. If you're not in one of those 10 groups, get in one. If you're not leading one and can lead one with the unique voice and wiring God has given you to bring to bear through the lens of Scripture, do that. Because that's where the reconciliation happens. That's where we can learn after being given X's and O's. You've got them. How to lament. How to walk alongside one another. How to bear with one another's burdens. How to Continue communing with our Heavenly Father in the midst of chaos, in the midst of pain. That's how we can have both grief and hope in community. And so, back to my initial thought in closing to victory groups this week. Give some time and space for how we might engage individually and as a church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for this time in the word of God that you have gosh, that you have given for us so that we can take the next step of obedience. Help this word not just be head knowledge, God. Help it drop 18 inches to our hearts and be applied in our lives such that we do love each other better, that we do listen better that we do care better, that we bear better. God, that we lament in a way that doesn't break fellowship with you, God, but allows us continued communion with you and faith in you for what you have already accomplished on the cross and that you are bringing to bear in our lives right now. Help us through your word. If you're watching this and you have yet to say, I want to be a Christian. I want to know Jesus. I want to have a relationship with Jesus And you want to do that today. There's never a bad day to make a great decision. You want somewhere to bring your grief authentically and honestly and openly. To simultaneously hold the hope of glory. If that is you and you want to say yes to Jesus. Make him your life today. You can just repeat these simple words after me. Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I believe in my heart, God raised Jesus from the dead. And now I commit to follow you all the days of my life. And I know that that does not mean a storm-free life. But that in you, it can be a storm-proof life. That you want to hear me. You want to know where I am. You want me to cry out for enlightenment. And you want me to recognize that you're still worthy of the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, blessings to you. We worship and celebrate you and celebrate Jesus for the work that he is doing in you today. And we want to know. We want to know one so that we can send you a free gift in the mail. It's a, a short Bible study that gives you the foundations of the faith that will help you with next steps. Uh, we also want to be able to pray with and for you, and if you have not, uh, uh, or rather, if you have already accepted Jesus Christ and you would like prayer just in general, you can also click the prayer link that's on the screen there so that you can receive prayer. So again, if you accepted Jesus, please click the link that, uh, that, that responds to that uh, or lines with that, and if you want prayer, you can also click that one as well. Uh, family, we love you. We absolutely do, and we want to live in victory, and we do that together. Uh, have a great week.